There are famous films known as classics now that started out with virtually no script. How is this possible? Well, Casablanca, of course, is the great That's example. That's classic, I guess. Yeah, where Ingrid Bergman was only worried about getting a part in For Whom the Bell Tolls uh, because she felt that she was in this, this silly little picture called Casablanca. And Bogey, as I call him since I never met him, uh, tried to get out of that film because he thought it was going to ruin his career. I guess this is well known to everyone. Yet this is one of the great love stories in history of film. Making a script, developing a script usually takes six months, a year, sometimes two or three years. After about six months and about two drafts, and I said, well, I'm not sure when that film will be done. In fact, it's not done as yet, so um, drop out of the movie business for a few minutes. And uh, it sort of disappeared. I tried my story out on him, and he sort of liked the story, but he said, you know, I've done a bunch of buddy pictures. I'd really rather make a romantic comedy. And you think that would work? And I said, well, why don't you give me a couple of weeks and see if we can convert this into to that. In fact, the, when we changed what was the Bill Murray part into a ladies part, uh, it created a romantic triangle in the center that, that actually helped the movie a great deal. And that's how it started. Could not be more proud of you, dude. But fuck all that. Maybe it's not going to win awards. Maybe it's not going to make money. Maybe it won't make its budget back. These are all real possibilities. And I look at this and I say, what can we do going forward? How do we save this thing? You're a monster! I get nervous even at the word film. I mean, I find it hard to say it. Uh, because I'm brought up in movies. Movies? And, uh... You know, I'm, I'm delighted that people take it so seriously and, and good for them and everybody should have a hobby. But uh, to me, it's, uh, it's work. It's work. I guess we'll do it that way. I got the gig. I'm in Chattanooga. Come on. My kids are upstairs watching um, YouTube videos. That sounds awful. Just <laughs> random YouTube videos? Dude, I walked in the room and they were watching a YouTube video and it had two emojis and you were supposed to guess what the answer was. So it would be like a um, like an explosion and a, a plus sign and then a picture of corn, like a corn emoji. It would be yeah. like, popcorn. <laughs> 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 that sounds not very fun. They also had one that was like uh, a, a, it was a picture of a pig, a plus sign, and then a hamburger. And I was like, so it's ham hamburger? <laughs> They're terrible. Oh, boy. Yowza. Yowza. Uh, John, so Yo. let's, uh, we're going to do a quick episode. Yeah, big day. Big day, big day yesterday, marathon editing day yesterday. 
I feel like before you tell us that real quick, now I know we got to keep this short. Not that we ever do. Tell us where we were at, like uh, the big eh, middle to end of last week into the beginning of this week. I think you should tell us where we were at. Yeah. Well, be honest, John. Lay oh, it all out there. Well, I can't remember exactly the chain of events, but I'll just explain the vibe. So based on the last... Also, I think your vibe is going to be a little different than mine. So I want to hear yours, and then I'll give my version of it. Sure. But we always hear my narrative. I want to hear yours. Okay. So for a bunch of reasons that I can't quite remember at this moment, it was some texting back and forth. It was some other stuff, some phone conversations. I personally was getting extremely discouraged. (laughs) I was thinking to myself, the movie as it is, is so far from where we want it to be. Yeah. You know, I'd seen it a bunch of times. We've talked about that. And I was like, dude, I was, I was texting you. I was like, dude, we're going to, I think you should think about reshooting this, some stuff in here, adding some new scenes in to make this make sense. Cause as it is, it, it, you know, there are parts that don't make sense. Some motivations are unclear. We, you had that screening for a bunch of people and they gave you some pretty harsh or maybe harsh isn't the right word, but they gave you some pretty serious feedback. Like, dude, this is some very, some, some very like, you better think about this or you're not going to like the movie. Right. Type feedback. So after all that, I mean, I was, I wasn't depressed about it, but I was, I was nervous and I was like, dude, think maybe we should get Ural on the phone and like go up there and get some reshoots or get some audio. And we're trying to rack in our brains to think of what to do. And for whatever reason, ultimately we decided like, dude, Zay, you needed to just take Zay. You need to just take a break from this for a little bit. Right. Step back from it. Come back to it with some fresh eyes. See what happens. And in the meantime, behind the scenes, I was thinking like, I got to, you know, we got to write some new scenes. We got to do something. Got to call an editor. And <laughs> which I was doing. Right. We right. were doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, it was practical stuff, but we were hustling. We were, I was yeah. nervous. You know, I was thinking yeah, like, yeah, dude, yeah. If, if this is going to be anything like we had hoped it would be. There's a lot of work to do. It's a lot of work. Time to start busting our asses. So lo and behold, you go out and you do some yoga. You do this, you do that. And you come back to it. And oh, also I sent you a 20 minute pep talk audio message. Oh, it was so good. Cut in the very, you should cut in the beginning of it. It was amazing. (laughs) I don't know. It was very personal. You know, it was like about my sister dying and it was about life challenges about all it was this very kind it was all this stuff and i think if i could boil it down ultimately it was like dude this movie doesn't have to be the perfect movie hell it doesn't even have to be good like you're still going to be my friend you're still going to be a talented guy you've got all this stuff to offer and it, it was all true i still right now sitting here believe that uh except one thing did change and that is that the whole part where I was saying like, dude, this movie doesn't even have to be good. Uh, frankly, I feel like that's sort of out the window now. Maybe you can explain why. I I actually am not exactly sure what you meant by that. Well, I was think I was saying to you when I sent you the audio message, like if you left, because let's just set the stage real quick, John, you have yeah. watched the movie. 
mm-hmm. that I recut over the weekend. Yeah. And I know you think it was better, but we haven't really gone in any details yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm assuming you mean something in relation to that, but but specifically what I'm trying to get get the audience to understand is we are still coming at this from different perspectives. Because, John, I think you were more discouraged even on Friday than I was. Mm-hmm. I was. Because I was thinking, eh, like, I still see the the thread of the movie. Like, I actually came away from the feedback thinking, you know, I think I can make this work. I don't know how. Right. And and it's funny that you that you sum up your message to me the way you did because I came away from that message thinking effectively that you were saying like it doesn't matter if it's going to be good just do the work. Well, I was for like, sure. Stop moping is oh, what I got. Sure. For sure, for sure. But okay, okay. I, I guess the the reason I set it up that way is to say that you did recut it and it yeah. is good. Not in the future. You think it's good now. Yeah. I was really impressed. Oh, wow. I mean, you made such a dramatic change to this dude narratively. Um, you added a ton of new scenes. This is not now back in the day. And if people were are careful listeners of this podcast, and I don't know what I've edited out and what I haven't, but I have couched a lot of my praise by saying by using the dual duality of man, my dual roles here as friend, mm. but also as critic. So the friend part of me has always been proud of you. And that wasn't going to change unless you gave up and you burned your house down with your wife inside of it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Everything up to that line is fair game with John. John is a very accepting friend. (laughs) As long as even the dogs, I wouldn't care about the dogs. (laughs) No human life. That's where John draws a line. Right. Uh, but I feel like that now is sort of out the window. Like, I don't Thank feel you. like I need to couch this anymore. I don't feel like I need to. In fact, dude, I was driving. Uh, ba- I, I went to get a Diet Coke. It's late here. It's it's two in the morning where you are four days ago. I know, but it's it's, it's a little late here. And uh, I went to get a Diet Coke at the gas station. I was driving back up the mountain. I was like, you know, or up the, to my house. And I was thinking, man we got to have a screening in Chattanooga for this when it's done. Mm. And that is not how I felt a week ago. I could tell you that. Mm. Interesting. So let me, let me rephrase that, John. Mm -hmm. I want to put this on the record. Mm -hmm. John. Yeah. (laughs) You did not think I could do it is what you're saying. I don't know if I would go that far, but I, I definitely was nervous. I was nervous that yeah. to get this to a place, to be honest, to get it to the place where it is right now. Yeah. I thought you were going to have to spend tens of thousands more dollars. I thought you were going to have to go and reshoot a bunch of shit. Mm. I thought you were going to get it to the point where it's at now is what you're saying. Yeah. To get it where mm. it is. To, I just encouraging. finished watching a cut well, less yeah. than an hour ago. And pa- pa- part of the reason, John, too, that I'm harping on mm-hmm. the fact that you don't believe in me mm-hmm. is that... No, I'm just kidding. No, but the duality of your roles. I, I just want to highlight the fact, because the, the fact that you have never been afraid to tell me what you think. Sure. And that 
you have always been a very supportive friend. Uh-huh. But we have been on the record, you know, you, you have not shied away from saying, I think that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Or that I think this is not going to work. Right. And so I'm excited to know that you feel that strongly about the, the film at this point. Because sometimes I get feedback from people and I'm like, I don't know how to weigh this. Uh-huh. But I know you know what's going on. Well, listen, I mean, I, I texted you tonight after I finished watching it. And I said to you, this is a movie that I would see on Netflix, period, full mm-hmm. stop. Like, you know, it, there's still stuff and that's... describe what you mean by that, because the, <laughs> the other day I walked into the kitchen and I was like, Kel, what are you watching? And she was like, she was like, it's just a movie. Mm. And, and mm. she was like, it's on Netflix. I was like, how is it? She said, eh, it's a Netflix movie. <laughs> and I was like, uh, sadly, I know exactly what you mean right now. Well, listen, I mean, <clears throat> but do you mean it in that way, or do you mean like you could just see it living in the world? Uh, well, more than that, I think at a minimum, just the dude. So we went from, and I want to stress this: like we're we're talking behind the scenes, and I'm thinking like, dude, we're gonna have to somebody's gonna you're gonna have to go reshoot scenes. You're gonna have to maybe write some extra dialogue. You're gonna have to do this. You're gonna have to do that. Right to get it to the point where it could be even on Netflix. Oh, I see. Okay. I felt like that. You know, we were talking behind the scenes and we're talking about like submitting it to festivals and stuff. And I was like, dude, I don't know. You know, that was my um, approach just a few days ago. And I, and for real, I thought, yeah, if you do that stuff, then yeah, you, you'll have something that's worthy of showing people. But I did. I don't know if I thought that just, rearranging some stuff like you did and tightening up scenes like you did. I don't, I don't know if I thought that just doing what you did in the last few days was possible. Oh, well, thanks. And now you have a product that definitely, you know, uh, so just for the audience, because nobody's seen any of this, but there's a couple things that you'll, you'd have to change like audio, little tiny little audio fixes, stuff like that. But, Honestly, I told my wife, I was like, dude, if you get this to a post house or whatever, yeah, 100% you could show this on Netflix or whatever, and people would love it. Hmm. Well, you know, it's exciting, John. Mm. I'm not even close to done with this shit. <laughs> I ain't even. <laughs> Rearrange it. It's like a Pulp Fiction. He's like, I'm going to call some hard piping. <laughs> yeah, part, pipe, hard <laughs> piping what, Zay? Tell us. I'm going to fuck this movie up, John. <laughs> no, I'm more inspired than I've been in a long time. I'm I'm very excited because I actually have not even watched the cut that you have seen. I've seen one that I did. Okay, so I'm going to give a little bit of the history. Yeah. We're sitting there. I'm thinking, damn it. You know, like we talked about in the last episode, I didn't show everyone. And this is kind of what we talked about in the last episode. I was basically saying... I think that all the pieces are there. We just need the key. We need the cipher. We need the code to decipher what's going on in these characters' heads. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about reshooting scenes, all that kind of stuff, that's a lot of what we were talking about was effectively how do we set people up for these characters better and I was thinking I needed to get new stuff and right. potentially introduce new characters. Right. And when I was, I was, yeah. So I told you I was doing some yoga. I, you know, I, I like my ancient Chinese Zen masters. Mm-hmm. Well, not this guy's not a Zen master. Zen didn't exist yet. Tao, he's a Taoist, and uh, Chuang Tzu. And I was, I was meditating on Chuang Tzu. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get that poem again because it's just so good. I think it's appropriate to reread it because honestly, I owe 
this increment. I owe this mag mag. I owe this. <laughs> you better leave all this in. I owe this to. Uh, I owe this revelation that I had in a lot of ways to Chuang Su. Mm-hmm. He's going to come knocking for royalties pretty soon. Say is getting in his car, driving to the public library. Hi, do you have a copy of Chen Zhu's uh, Zen poetry? Yeah, I can wait. No problem. <laughs> John, you got to keep all that in there. That was so good. I'm just going to read part of this. Yeah, read it to us. So the, this guy, this, um, you know, we've, we've, I don't want to read the whole thing, but, well, fuck it. I'll read the whole thing. Prince Wenhu's cook was cutting up an ox. Out went a hand, down went a shoulder. He planted a foot. He pressed with a knee. The ox fell apart. With a whisper, the bright cleaver murmured like a gentle wind. Rhythm, timing, like a sacred dance, like the mulberry grove, like ancient harmonies. Good work, the prince exclaimed. Your method is faultless. Method, said the cook, laying aside his cleaver. What I follow is Tao, beyond all methods. When I first began to cut up an oxen, I would see before me the whole ox, all in one mass. After three years, I no longer saw this mass. I saw the distinctions. But now I see nothing with the eye. My whole being apprehends. My senses are idle. The spirit, free to work without plan, follows its own instinct, guided by natural line, by the secret opening, the hidden space. My cleaver finds its own way. I cut through no joint, chop no bone. A good cook needs a new chopper once a year. He cuts. A poor cook needs one every month. He hacks. I have used this same cleaver 19 years. It has cut up a thousand oxen, and its edge is as keen as if newly sharpened. There are spaces in the joints. The blade is thin and keen. When this thinness finds that space, there's all the room you need. It goes like a breeze. Hence, I have had this cleaver 19 years as if newly sharpened. True, there are sometimes tough joints. I feel them coming. I slow down. I watch closely, hold back, barely move the blade, and whump, the part falls away, landing like a clod of earth. Then I withdraw the blade. I stand still and let the joy of the work sink in. I clean the blade, and I put it away. Prince Juan Hu said, this is it. My cook has shown me the way I ought to live my home, my own life. My own life. My own mm. life. Anyway. Every time so, you read like that I said, poem. I think what's that? Every time you read that poem, because of the word chopper, I always think of, um, what's her name? Fabian saying, whose motorcycle is this? And Butch said. <laughs> what is that from again? It's not a motorcycle. It's a chopper, baby. Who's chopper? Oh, oh, oh. In, in, uh, oh you're talking about in, in Pulp Fiction. Uh-huh. Zed's Zed's dead. Who's Zed? Zed's dead. My brother Abominandus um, gave me, or not gave me, but had the soundtrack to that movie. And uh, in the soundtrack, it has little clips, you know, that lead into the songs. Mm. Which is a great. It's a great soundtrack, and this great little really clips. great soundtrack. Anyway, so how did that? How did that poem get you to where we are here? Yeah, yeah. So that was a huge part of where we got here because I was struggling. With, you know, we were talking about it. I was like, I wrote this like one idea and you very smartly were like, yeah, dude, that's not it. That's not what you want. That's not going to fix anything. 
And then I was kind of discouraged and I was like, dang it, he's right. Like, I'm not going to find this. I'm not going to just hustle my way through this. I got to take a, I got to take a breather. I got to figure this out. So I didn't work on a, you know, like Friday night, I was kind of expecting to work real late and I, I chose not to. And then Saturday I was like, I need to get up early and I need to work. And then kind of at the last second, I decided I was thinking about that poem and I read that poem and I, I was thinking about it and I was like, I'm going to go read it. And I read it and I read a couple others of his. Holy smokes. My dogs are going nuts. One second. So he goes to get some gasoline, pour it around the house. <laughs> gasoline. <laughs> okay. So I'll keep this short, but basically I, I, I thought about that poem and I read it and I was like, you know, I should just do other things. I should just chill. I should just have a nice day because I'm not going to figure this out. I'm not going to solve this problem by sitting in front of my computer or by like tackling it head on, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what I did. And I chilled all day. And then I was, I was in the kitchen making some sort of nasty food. I don't know what. Just kidding. It probably wasn't nasty. Some disgusting shit that I eat for lunch. <laughs> I, no one else is going to find that funny, but I find it funny. Because um, I'm... <laughs> okay, so... Trying to triple would... down on that joke. <laughs> What's that? You're trying to triple down on that joke. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know when to quit. Except when I do. So I quit for the morning, and I was sitting by the stove, and this idea came into my head like a bolt of lightning. Mm. It was like, what if you put that scene right after this other scene? Mm-hmm. And then and then and then scared Zay was like, but that scene's at the end of the movie. And you want to put it at the beginning of the movie. You can't do that. And then and then cool Zay was like, shut the fuck up. And he <laughs> I'll put that scene wherever I want, stupid. And then he did. You should do voiceovers, man. I love doing voiceovers. So then I did some voiceovers. Oh, baby. Well, he, John loves my voiceovers. Um, I actually do. I have a lot of voiceover in the movie right now because it's anymore. holding there for, uh, well, it's, it's there until I can cast other people. They're but, good. I leave them in. Well, thank you. I, in fact, we'll did you affect them a little bit? Sounds like you did. Yeah, I did. Uh, I found good. some sound effects in Adobe Premiere. I've yeah. been doing lots of sound effects, which helps the whole thing feel more real. Um, cause I like, yeah, but anyway, so I just, I, I had this idea, did some quick mental math. I was like, what if I move that there? And I was like, but then that intro to that scene, I was like, oh shit, I'll just move the whole chunk. So I moved this big old chunk of the movie to a completely different part of the movie, sort of repurposed a couple scenes that were on the cutting floor and then stitched it all back together. Real, real, like real messy. Mm-hmm. Watched it yesterday with Elizabeth and Matt, Elizabeth, mama bear, Matt, her husband, who's very smart, mm-hmm. good at movies, and we watched it, and they were like, "Whoa, I think this feels like it's solving a lot of the problems that we had." And I was like, "Sweet!" So then I spent all day yesterday, basically, trying to make that version less shitty. But my point is, with the poem, I can't take a whole lot of credit for this, you know. Like, I mean, I can in the sense that, like, I know the work well and I know the footage. Sure. But I kind of just tried to get out of the way. That was really what happened this weekend is I was like, I am not, not, I am not making, 
I don't know where this accent came from, but I'm not making the movie that I thought I was making. I'm making the movie that I have right here in front of me. That's all I have to work with. So why not make the best movie? And that is a little different. You know why they shot? I just watched. I'm going to clip this in if I have time. I'm going to do my little intro jazz. But I was watching last night some old Dick Cavett. And, dude, do you know why there were three different endings to Casablanca? Classic movie, Casablanca. Because Mm. they did not have a real script when they made that movie. Famously, the female love interest said to the director, which guy am I supposed to be in love with? And he said, play it down the middle. They didn't know. They had no clue what the fuck they were doing. And it turned into one of the greatest movies of all time. That's insane. Yeah. And on that same thing, I'm this I'm going to clip all this in and clip me out yakking about it or not. But he leave it. Dick Cavett is interviewing these four, five different directors, and he's talking to them about their different styles. And one of them was like, "I am super meticulous." The other one says, "You know, Alfred Hitchcock said famously that the fun of movie making is over by the time you start the camera." And the other mm-hmm. guy was like, "I don't, I couldn't agree less with that." And he has a totally improvisational style. He doesn't really know what he's doing. There's so many different ways to do this. It's yeah. the end product. It's I, to some extent, it's the process. But dude, you, somebody might look at this whole thing and be like, Zay just floundered around until he got something great. And if that's the case, who who gives a shit? I don't. I don't think that's true. But well, come on. Here's how I could, he, he, John. And I I think that's I love that story. First of all, here's what I would say if somebody was like. You know, is there a lot of improv? I'd be like, uh, there's a little, right. There's a little bit of improv and most of it got cut. And most of what's there is improv. That's like literally, uh, a different version of a joke that was already there, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because the truth is everything that isn't motivated everything that's not really rooted in the characters has already gotten cut out. Right. And good improv is what I think happens in a situation like, you know, I'm sure they had a script at certain points, but like good improv, emotional improv, et cetera. That's what happens when you know who your care, your character is, Mm. but you don't necessarily know everything. And you're just kind of being in the moment. And I think as a director, the only reason I was able to fix anything this weekend is because I'm still, I actually did know the ending and I've always kind of known the ending. And I think in a lot of ways, even the movie hasn't changed that much from what I intended it to be. Mm. I think when I'm, when I watched it yesterday, I thought, Oh, okay, cool. Like all I'm doing now is getting more of the information that I assumed everyone knew, but didn't, but they didn't. I'm getting that out quicker. That's really the only thing that feels like it changed. Mm -hmm. But to the point of, you know, that with movies, that's everything. (laughs) You you don't have a movie if everyone's bored, like we talked about last time. Right. So I think that's where I was like, you know, but dude, part of why it works so well is because, well, I don't know, because, like, the characters feel like real people. Yep. You know, and real people are complex enough that 
they're not plot driven. You know, real mm. people react in real situations. And so in a lot of ways you can mix and match certain things because you're like, they are reacting to this overall situation and I can manipulate that somewhat because it's not like all of a sudden he's ripped and he's right. a different person. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, totally. But I, I, some of the stuff that I was really impressed with was what you said earlier. It's taking something that was supposed to be towards the end of the movie and moving it or realizing that maybe this should be much, much earlier. And executing that and it not messing up the flow. Not only did it not mess up, it improved it significantly, to be honest. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering, as I was watching it 10 minutes in, I was like, dude, what is going to happen here? Is this going to mess up? That's pretty sweet because you know it's going to happen, but you still were curious. exactly. Right. Like, how's he going to pull this off? And narratively, it makes the story much more interesting. Now Now that the stakes are up front and you know what's you know what is going on. You actually care about how this is going to get resolved. It makes everything much more poignant. It makes the characters more interesting. I, I thought it was really good, man. It was. I thought it was very strong. In terms of a low-budget indie film, which I have seen a few of, not tons of, but yeah, certainly probably none in this budget range of this scope because it doesn't look like a low-budget movie. There's right. no explosions or car chases or any shit like that. That's not what I mean. But visually, it does not look like, you know, you guys shot this on like a mini DV in somebody's backyard with like a right. light. It looks very professional. And now that the story is taking shape, it feels like a real movie. Sweet. Well, John, let me tell you. L- l- thank you, first of all. Um, you know what was exciting for me? Hmm. I was watching it and, it, and and the one you've seen is actually better, and I'm excited to watch it tonight. I'm watching it tonight with Bryce. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about and, him over and over because Bryce is the eternal And I need to optimist. send it to a couple people. You know, like Tara will hopefully see it in the next day or two. Like, I'm, you know, I'm sending it out, and, like, I'm, I'm excited for people to keep seeing it. What were you saying about Bryce? Well, he's just such an optimistic guy. Like, after I watched the first cut, I talked to Bryce. He, he was so confident that you – we're going to pull this off and be able to, to work this into probably what pretty, pretty damn close to what it is now. Like he was really optimistic and confident. And when I was doubting in my own head, uh, he was like, yeah, he can do it. <laughs> it was, That's good. Yeah. I mean, it's good he, to hear partly cause he, he's a filmmaker and, and he's done right. this before and I haven't, but I think he'll be really impressed. I'm excited to hear what he thinks about it. Because Elizabeth Boom. also texted me, Elizabeth, who works for Mom Bear, texted me after she saw the newest cut and was like, he fucking did it, basically, is what she said. Well, no, I, I feel like I feel like it's good. And I and I I'm excited for Bryce to see it. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to watch it with other people, because I do think that when I was watching it with Elizabeth and Matt, I, you know, maybe 15 or 20 minutes in. I I paused it mm. and I was like, "What do you guys think so far?" You know, and t- uh, to me, because that was the first time I was watching it that way. I was like, I was thinking, you know, a lot has happened already. Yeah, and that to me is one thing that has really been striking me about what let's let's call them big kid movies. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. not big movies, but like grown up movies. 
you know, um, I have been really struck by movies that I admire. I'm like, how do they pack so much story mm-hmm. into so little time? Like I was watching Shrek. Mm. Every second of so that you actually movie. meant big kids movies. <laughs> Dude, have you seen Shrek recently? <laughs> yeah. There's this great scene. You should cut in part of this. I will. There's this great scene where where Farquaad, the the villain, is interrogating the gingerbread man. Oh yeah, and he's got him on this baking sheet, mm-hmm. and he's got this hot lamp over him, and he's like, "Where are they?" Because you know he's looking for him. He's like, Eat and he me. like won't tell him, and then he he reaches for his button. He's like, "Not my gumdrop buttons!" <laughs> <laughs> and he's like this ridiculous character, and then he's like about to pull him off, and then he breaks off of his legs. Yeah. <laughs> standing there with his severed legs it's so great but anyway every moment of that movie is both plot character theme it's Mm -hmm. all of it Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that i achieved that but i do think that much more so than the last draft it feels like it's like a saga you know like it feels like something it doesn't feel like an episode of a tv show right is that fair because i felt that for the first time where i was like this doesn't feel like an episode it feels like a little bit of like a a beefy story now. It feels like a movie. It's the same places, the same characters, but it feels a little bit more like, not like, wow, you really stretched that story out to 90 minutes, huh? It's kind of like, oh, yeah, I just went on a little bit of a ride. That was cool. No, I was also delighted that there there were scenes I hadn't seen yet. Even in this cut, there was a scene, you know, outside. You had told me about it, but there's a scene where they're doing something outside. I want to say anything, but um, yeah, I just felt like, there, it wasn't slow, which frankly, that was an issue with previous cuts that it felt slow. It felt like some scenes dragged. It did not feel like that, dude. Even the editing was strong. Um, we had talked about sending this out to a polish editor. And after seeing it, I was like, dude, not again, not that you want to, but you could easily edit this entirely yourself based on what I've seen. Thanks. Well, we'll see. I, you, well, this is, this is, I think, where we can leave this. Mm hmm. For now, because I'm tired. Uh huh. I'm sure you're tired. I think where what's exciting, John, is that this is what I've been wanting to do. Like, I'm never gonna just rest on my laurels because that's not time for that yet. Mm. So what I'm excited about is I'm like, great. I think the bones are there. Let's really push it. And then what's really exciting is like, if it's decent and watchable right now, right. Then when we get score and when we get the final soundtrack and when we get like color correction and sound design, you know, and, a, and, and all that kind of stuff, like credits, just stuff that's going to make it easier to get lost in it. That's and, and score. And a lot of those things are not just things that get lost. in it. They're very much part of the story. Yeah. Like I've been talking to Dan, my composer who wrote one of the songs that's already in two of the songs that are already in the movie. Um, and, um, oh, Paul, my brother Paul is in one of those songs. Is he the, really? The, the song that um, is during the karaoke scene. Mm. <clears throat> and, um, but anyway, point is, Dan, you know, I, I'm a big Pink Floyd fan. Mm-hmm. And Dan has been experimenting with some, like, really cool kind of Pink Floyd-influenced style stuff that he's going to play with with the score. And, like, we've got some really cool ideas that, are legitimately exciting in their own right, apart from the fact that they're going to like 
accompany the movie. Mm. It's kind of like, ooh, this music's going to be interesting. Yeah. I'm excited to hear this music just because I'm excited to hear the music because I like the song that, that Dan wrote. And, you know, I'm taking some credit for that. I helped Dan write. I, I didn't really help him write the song. But, like, that's part of what's so fun about this. I was saying, like, I was like, man, Dan really wrote this song. And I was like, yeah, but also it's so cool because, like, he wrote it for this movie. We, like, talked about what it needed to sound like and we, like, talked about what it needed to mean. And and now I'm seeing it and I'm like, Dan's a freaking artist. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't just do what's in my head. We talk about what's in my head. We get some cool ideas out there. I push him in a direction, but he comes back with a song that's just a great song, you know? Mm. Yeah, so is the one song that's in the movie, there's no vocals or anything, It's it does sound like Pink Floyd, and it's around a time where they're talking about David Gilmore. Is that an original? Yes. Oh. Yep. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. That is Pink Floyd. Oh, it is. For the stand-in, but I like that exact style like we're not going to rip anything off but i think the idea of like what do and and other people have done this like johnny greenwood does it you sure. know there's there's a precedent for it but like i think part of the direction we're leaning in is like a very classic sounding borderline orchestral treatment but we're not going to use like strings and all these guys you know we're going to focus a lot on like using instruments that feel grounded in the world that we're using not to right. the exclusion of everything but we're not just going to like plop this baroque mm-hmm. orchestral score on top of this movie about rock and roll like it's gonna feel the score is is has as much art being put into it as any other component right but if the movie works without it the same way that like a really really great story can sometimes work even without a great actor mm. or great camera you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if if every single piece is sort of owning itself then we're really then we're really cooking with gas, as they say. You also said to me on the phone, and uh, I want to get all this, a lot of this, as much of this on tape as possible. But you said to me on on the phone yesterday that you should probably rephrase it, but the reason why actors are afraid to work with first time slash oh. bad directors. Okay, so there were a couple actors at different points in different cuts, there was usually one actor, not always the same one. That's part of my point Mm -hmm. is that there was usually one person in each cut, not usually, or there's only a few screenings in each of the four screenings I've done. There was always a clear favorite character and a clear least favorite. And they changed every screening. And in, Clearly, the performances couldn't change that much. Right. The actor had no control over that. Um, but what I've seen is that more people are starting to identify a favorite and just kind of like everyone's identifying a favorite from the beginning. But my point is, I think people are going to stop feeling like there are any weak links. But 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 to your point about trust, what that is 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 because it's all in the editing. Like I can make an actor look terrible if I want. Mm. You know, I can use all their worst mess ups. I can cut their timing in a way that they sound like they've never acted before in their entire life. Right. And they have no control over that. Right. You know, obviously I don't want to do that, but there is something about like, what if I wasn't able to turn this movie around, but I was insistent on putting it out. Yeah. And that's the other thing. We've talked about this a lot. And I think if anybody's out there listening and working on their own shit and wondering, you know, dude, you could have gone in a disastrous, not disastrous, but a bad direction with this. 
and we would yeah. be having a totally different conversation right now. Well, I could have ignored all the people who were telling me the truth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you didn't. And I think if anything, that part of the artistic process is, um, I'm, I'm starting to realize is so important. I've always, the people that I've always admired are sort of these like loner, all tours, you know, guys that like write mm. this meticulous script by themselves for 18 years and they shoot it over the course of five years and they right. edit it alone. And then they show you this like one masterpiece. And I'm starting to realize through this process, one, I don't even know if that's possible or has ever happened, but two, it is such a beautiful thing to watch somebody like you, I mean, maybe part of this is that it's your first time, but also sure. you taking and absorbing people's advice, not being defensive, not being egotistical, and shaping this thing into something that's truly impressive now, uh, I think is is really beautiful, man. I think it's awesome. Thanks. And Appreciate on it. that note... Yeah, we'll get into all of these things more, but I think that's a perfect uh, perfect update. So what all you millions and millions and millions <laughs> of listeners. Mom, did you like the episode? So rest assured, the movie is not going to be horrible. Far from. Um, so what do you think the next two, three weeks of your life are gonna look like? I don't know. I think I got maybe a few more days of getting this tighter, you know. Um yeah, pushing it a little further, and then I probably will host one more sort of intensive feedback session before I start like really polishing anything. Mm -hmm. And then I might, you know, just start getting other people involved, like getting much closer to picture locking, mm -hmm. getting some music, getting some other post, getting some sound design, you know, that kind of stuff. Because that all takes forever, right? So detailed. And then it's off to Netflix. Right. Off to off to uh three thousand screens around the country. <laughs> um, Does this movie get screened? let's say it's perfect, exactly as you hoped. Does it get screened in in movie theaters? Some theaters, not three thousand. Right. Yeah. I mean, all of our movies have played in theaters so far. When I went to go see Hunter Gather, it was like a Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how many people were there. Maybe one. Well, I went to see a, a big, I forget what movie it was. This has happened many times in Chattanooga where I've seen a, a big blockbuster movie and the theater is completely empty. So that's not your fault. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. No, I hope it gets in some theaters. But, you know, at this point, I just kind of hope it gets seen. I don't really, I mean, it, it's a, it's the kind of movie that you do want to watch with people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not a feel good movie, but it's a, I hope that if I succeed beyond my wildest dreams, that it will feel reminiscent of the way it feels to watch a good movie like High Fidelity with like a bunch of friends. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, I I don't think I'm gonna hit that because that's just such a classic. There's so much to that, but like, man, that feeling where you're like, yeah, like when you hang out with your buddies and watch Daisy Confused, like. Mm -hmm. That feeling, not necessarily like because it holds that level of like pantheon level importance, but but the feeling of like this is this fun communal at like journey that we're going on in a very brief amount of time. That's what I kind of hope it justifies. Mm -hmm. All so right. So we'll see. On that note, um, 
yeah, on that note, uh, oh, yeah, on that note, on that note, on that note, on that note. What? <laughs> what? On that note. On that note, and more Dick Cavett. That, hold on, note. On that note. Mm, that note? Swing low, sweet chariot. John, you, you mean to play a song? Yeah, but now that I edit this, there is zero chance I am ever singing again. Anyone out there playing the drums, teach yourself a little halftime shuffle. Like, really perfect a halftime shuffle. There's nothing more fun or rewarding. Uh, I believe it. Can you hear me, John? Uh-huh. Can you hear my guitar? Uh-huh. Play us out. Uh, I'm not a very good guitar player. I just want everybody to know that. This is a song, John, that has really kind of got me through a lot of things in the last few months since I discovered it. It's a, it's a good song. It's got some good lyrics. It's by, it's by a good old man named John Prine. My heart's in the ice house, come hill or come valley. Like a long ago Sunday as I walk through the alley on a cold winter's morning to the church house just to shovel some snow. Heard sirens on the train tracks, how naked getting neutered. Naughty boy's been hit by a local commuter Just for walking with his back turned to the train That was coming so slow You can gaze out the window Get mad and get madder Throw your hands in the air Say what does it matter But it don't do no good To get angry, so help me I know for the heart stain and anger grows weak and grows bitter. You become your own prisoner as you watch yourself sit there wrapped up in the trap of your very own chain of sorrow. One more verse. Been brought down to zero, pulled up and put back there. Sat on the bench, kissed the girl with the black hair, and my head shot it down to my heart. Better look out below. It ain't such a long drive, don't stammer, don't stutter. From the diamonds in the sidewalk to the dirt in the gutter, you carry those bruises to remind you wherever you, you go. You can gaze out the window, get mad and get madder, throw your hands in the air, say what, what does, does it matter? matter? But it don't do no good to get angry, so well, help me, I know. I know. Stain and anger grows weak and grows bitter. You become your own prisoner as you watch yourself sit there wrapped up in a trap. Your very own chain of sorrow. Well done.